cricket. Looks cricket to me. Today is Jesse. Two days what? Today, today's the 16th. No, today's the 15th. Jesse and Matthew's birthday tomorrow? Yep. Oh, that's good. I knew it was coming up. <laughs> Is he excited? What are they going to do? They're not getting what? Oh. What? What? What is it? Oh, okay, cool. time in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get things started here. Uh, let's go ahead and stand up together and we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing and declaring that America is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? All right. Let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight, and you may be seated. All right, we're going to get into some announcements here. Got some great stuff coming up um, over the next few weeks, and we want everybody to be in the loop on it, all right? So, uh, we will, first of all, uh, this coming uh, Friday night is the Lift Marrieds Night, everybody. Yeah. So, uh, make sure you're here. We're going to be having an Italian pitch-in dinner. And so pitch-in means you pitch something in. You help out, right? So uh, we're going to all bring something to share that night. There is free child care, which, you know, is a big deal. 
And uh, the uh, we want you to register, though, so if you could go to hdwc.org slash Mary and give us an RSVP. That'll help us know how many people are coming, how many kids specifically are coming, so we can prepare for that. And then membership class is going to be next Sunday. Uh, the, uh, wait, that's this Sunday, the 19th. All right, so um, if you have not uh, signed up to become a member, but you're like, you know what, this is my church, this is going to be my home church, go ahead and sign up, man. Make it official and join us. We do a class that night from 4 to 7 p.m. And uh, this gives you a chance to learn more specifically about our church, uh, what our beliefs are, what our church history is, and see how you could, you know, get hooked up even better to be a part of the family. So sign up for membership class if you have not. And then we have a worship night coming on February the 26th. Yeah. That is going to be at the Sunday 6 p.m. service that night, and we are really, really excited about this. It has been a while, so you can invite people, bring somebody, but we're going to have a great time that night worshiping and praising and just whatever the Holy Spirit says to do, we're going to have a really awesome time. And then also want to let you know that starting in March on the 5th, there's going to be Financial Peace University coming back again. Amen? And so that's going to start on Sunday the 5th. At 5.30, it'll run from 5.30 to 7, and that'll uh, coincide with the Sunday p.m. service, and it'll give you a chance to uh, have child care and whatnot. So anyway, take advantage of FPU. And then last, but certainly not least, is Mrs. Pastor's 75th birthday party. Yes. So that's going to be on the 12th of March. That is coming quickly. Uh, During the morning service and right afterwards, we're having a pitch-in dinner. And uh, we're just going to have a great big party that day. And we are really excited to celebrate and have everybody together. It is going to be absolutely awesome. And one final announcement, not on the screen. If you are going on the missions trip to Honduras in June, uh, Cindy Grove is going to be having a meeting for that uh, the last Sunday of this month, so the 26th right after the morning service over there in Victory Hall. So, again, if you are going on the trip to Honduras or you are really wanting to go on the trip to Honduras, make sure that you uh, attend that meeting on the 26th after the morning service. All right. Who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. We are excited to be givers tonight and uh, get a chance to to be a tither. Amen. So pastor's going to do our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. And Cletus has the envelopes under control, right? Cletus got the envelopes. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Hold up your hand, be an envelope for your tithes and for your offerings. And open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians 5, 6, and I'm going to look, I'm going to look at two verses tonight to help you. Because after that, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, 8, if you want to look at that. But I want you to look at these verses here. And I, I'm thinking about people that tithe, people that give. We know there's lots of, lots of Bible has to say about the blessing for that. Amen. God rebukes the devourer for us. Windows of heaven are open and we're blessed. And I learned, I learned years ago about faith. Faith always works. We work faith. It always works. And what I learned is this, that if my faith were not working and do what the Bible says it would do, especially in the area of finances, money and things like that, then there's a couple of things I'd check. The first thing I would check would be, do I have the Word of God in my heart and in my mouth? Am I living with God's Word, speaking God's Word? And then if, if I check that part up, that's working, then the next thing I would check would be my love walk. And I want to show you why. Look at Galatians 5, verse 6. 
And I want you to look at the last part of that verse. It says, faith which works by love. Faith which works by love. And in my Bible, I got written right above that from the Amplified Version. What it says, it says, faith is activated and energized and expressed and working through love. And so if I, if I know that I'm a person of the Word, and I've spent the time in the Word, I'm speaking the Word, and my faith's not working, then the next place you got to check is your love walk. How are you treating people? Amen. How are you responding to criticism? How are you responding to persecution? What are you doing about it? Faith works by love. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 8. To me, this is the clincher. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, Now abides faith, hope, and charity, which is love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Verse 8 says, Love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. I remember years ago, I was meditating that verse and looking at it, and I I made a decision about my life. If I've ever got a failure in any area of life, it has to be a love failure. Because love never fails. Even if you get a little slack on your word type, as long as you're loving people, you're going to come out of it. You're going to turn out all right as long as you're loving people. And so just stop and think about that. If you're tired there right now and things aren't working right how they're supposed to, then check your love walk. How are you treating people? And if, if, it, were my, if it were myself and I was having a problem with how I was treating people, I would immediately ask for forgiveness and that say, Jesus, help me to do right towards these people. Even if they're not going to treat me right, I'm going to treat them right because it's my life that matters. And so I'm going to walk in love. Amen? All right, let's stand up, make our financial faith confession. And we'll bring our tithes and our offerings up to the altar. And don't, don't forget, even if you give online, you're not bringing anything up. If you want to, come on up anyway. There's just something special about being up here front where the anointing seems to be Heavier always in the front. And so anyway, you can come up here whether you are putting anything in there tonight or not and just come up here and draw closer to Jesus right up at his altar. You ready? As we bring the Lord's tithe, <clears throat> give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances. Interest in income, income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs. I have more than enough to take care of my family. Give generously into the kingdom of God, both the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together tonight. A pace becomes your house, your place. A pace becomes your house, your place. A pace becomes your house. Your place 
We sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give your praise and you come in. Sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give your praise. You inhabit the praises of your people. I 
Thank you, Jesus. You're so good, and your mercies are forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit is here tonight. Well, this is our communion night tonight again. And, uh, you know, everybody that's born again is welcome to receive communion. That's the main number one thing be a born-again Christian. You know, he didn't say anything about join the church, receive communion. He said become a part of his family. And so if you would, make your way forward here and, and receive the elements, and then we'll speak over a little bit, and we will receive. I'm going to read a few verses out of 1 Corinthians 11, and uh, I'm going to focus on healing for your body as I look at this for communion right here, because if there's ever an easy time to get healing during communion, if your heart's right. And so if you've had sickness in your body, whether it's something serious, or been dealing with colds and sore throats, that kind of stuff that tries to go around, then just, just listen to these words uh, in the Bible. Verse 28 says, let a man or a woman examine himself. And then eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And that not discerning the Lord's body means this, to discern means to see something. You see it, you discern it. Well, a lot of Christians don't see that Jesus took stripes on his back as well as hanging on the cross. As, as you read the Gospel of Matthew, it says on the way to the cross, they scourged him. They whipped him. They gave him 39 stripes on his back, 
had those stripes, the Bible tells us, in a lot of places where, where, where judgment, but they took care of sickness and disease for Christians, for believers to be healed. It says his body was broken for us. Well, we know when we look at the Gospels that the two thieves' legs were broken, but Jesus' legs weren't broken, but his flesh was. His flesh was broken, so the Word of God could say that by his stripes we were healed. And so as, as, as we take communion, it says examine yourself, and if you really didn't know the healing belonged to you, just stop and say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm going to step into faith, and I want to thank you by faith I received healing because your body was broken for me. And by your stripes I was healed, and I received my healing tonight. So just we'll just take a very, very brief moment to just bow our heads and just open our hearts to him. And at the same time, if he shows you something you're convicted of in your life, you've been not walking in love or just something you shouldn't be doing, just judge yourself. And then ask for forgiveness, then we'll receive communion, and you'll be healed, and you'll be forgiven. I'm going to read verse 24. And it says, When he, Jesus, had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do and remember it's me. Before you take it, say these words. Say, Thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes I was healed. Thank you, Lord. Your body was broken for me so I could be healed. I receive my healing now. In Jesus' name. And then verse 25 says, After the same manner also he took the cup when he said, saying, This cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it, remembrance of me. And say these words before we drink this cup. Say, say, Jesus, thank you that you took my sins. You took my sicknesses. I confess my sins to you. And so thank you, Lord. I've got a clean slate. I'm forgiven. I receive your blood. And, of course, you know that was just juice, but that's symbolic of his blood. Amen. One more time, say, thank you, Lord. I'm healed. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. All right, praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Come on, yeah. God is good. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever and ever. You may be seated tonight. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Who's ready to get into the Word of God together? Amen. All right. Well, I'll just address it now. That way it gets off of my chest. So there's a little bit of a sound issue and I'm wondering what in the world is going on because some people don't even notice. And then if you're like me, it's driving you bananas. Well, uh, very apparently the construction crew that was working in here this week unplugged some of the main speakers. So uh, in here, you guys have a little bit of a strange sound, but that's okay because I found out a long time ago, I can get really loud when I need to and usually overpower uh, auto. Probably any any uh, sound issues, so that's probably what I'm going to do tonight, and it's especially going to be fun because we're talking about a fun topic that I know everybody's going to really enjoy tonight. So, uh, in honor of Valentine's Day tonight, we're going to be talking about love and forgiveness. Now, <clears throat> my intro. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this is the topic uh, that I preach on the most over the course of any year. You know, I've, been, I've noticed that that that's if there was one topic that I preached on more than any other, especially last year, it's the topic of love. And then I was like, "Why is that, Lord?" Well, there's a good reason. Y'all need it. <laughs> And I, and I, you know, I need it too, but, uh, but really it was funny several years ago, someone, you know, got, I guess, mad at me or my dad or something and decided to leave the church, which is fine. And, uh, they said, you know, they always preach about the same thing over there. And I'm looking back thinking like, yeah, I probably talk about faith a lot, about healing a lot or whatever. Then I look back and I'm like, man, talk about love more than anything up in this place. And if you, you know, if you don't like that, then Hey, you know, whatever. But yeah, we're going to talk about love a lot. Because really, and I think I mentioned this Sunday, but that's about the main theme of the entire Bible. And 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. How in the world can we talk about God and not talk about love? It is a huge, huge thing for us to hear. And so here we are. We are halfway through February, actually a little bit over halfway through February. And I don't believe that we've preached on love yet this year. So tonight it's coming at you hard and heavy within about 28 minutes. Who thinks that they're ready for this? All right, well, let's pray, and then we're going to get into the Bible tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Lord, your word is perfect. It is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you, Lord, that it, 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 it divides between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And, is, and your word says, Hebrews 4.12, that it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so, Lord, as we look at the word of God tonight, it is just shining a flashlight, Lord, on the inside of us, and it's and it's bringing things to light for us to work on, things that maybe we didn't even know were there. And so I thank you that your word will have free course tonight and will accomplish everything you send it forth to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray this evening. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. And again, talking about forgiveness, you know, usually this is one of my strong suits, but the whole sound thing a few minutes ago got me pretty mad. So I'm like, what a night to really be preaching on love and forgiveness because I need it. All right, let's go. Number one is this. You've been forgiven. You must forgive others. Who knows that? You're a, how are you thankful that the Lord forgave you or do you wish you would have just left it? How? No, listen. You should be thankful that the Lord forgave you, absolutely. But because of that fact, you are now required to forgive others. 
I don't know about a requirement. I, I mean, it's probably a good idea. No, you are required as a New Testament Christian to forgive those who have wronged you. We're going to look tonight at Colossians chapter 3. All right, Colossians 3 and verse 13. Colossians 3, verse 13. And man, this is a verse that, man, you ought to highlight this one if you haven't. And, and, and on top of that, you should probably put a cute little red star beside it or something, because you need to know this verse. This verse has helped me many, many times over. This verse keeps me in check. This verse <laughs> puts me in my place a lot of the time. So Colossians 3, and we're going to look here at verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive Anyone who offends you. Anybody? Anybody. Man, yeah. Thank you. I'm like the, the, the back's really bringing it tonight. Let's hear it for the, <laughs> maybe it's just because the speakers are messed up, but I really hear it tonight. I like that. All right. So check it out though. Look, look at this. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So it's a good idea and you should probably forgive others. Well, no, I, I misquoted that verse. No, it says, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If, if the boss says, you must do this, is that a suggestion or is that like a requirement? That's a, that's a requirement. That's an order. And the boss right here, the word of God just told us that, hey, you've been forgiven, so now you are required to forgive others. That's a big, big statement. Now, you know, you may say, yes, Jesus forgave me, but the person that I've got beef with was really bad to me and really, really hurt me. And no doubt that for a lot of you, that's the absolute truth. But I would also argue on top of that, that you have probably at some point or another been really, really bad to Jesus and really, really hurt him. That's not to bring condemnation on you. That's just facts that as much as people have been mean and hurt me, if I'm being honest, I've been pretty bad to Jesus sometimes. Because we all have. None of us have given him the respect and the love that he truly deserves. Now, we hopefully we're trying, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's no way that I've been as good to Jesus as he deserves. And there's certainly no way that I've been as good to him as he has been to me. And I know I've done some hurtful things to Jesus, but he has forgiven me every single time. And as you grow in your faith, you're going to realize that any sin you commit is really a direct smack to God. We may think like, you know, as bad as it is that I've sinned against my brother or sister, that's, that's, that's an issue and that needs dealt with. But on top of that, any sin is really a sin against God. Now in Psalm 51, uh, David, it's a, it's a beautiful, well, I don't want to say it's a beautiful chapter, but Psalm 51 is an interesting chapter because it's David pouring his heart out to God after he committed a very, very bad sin. Actually, a couple of really bad sins. And, and you know, I, I don't go into it all the time, but some people are like, well, all sins are equal and one, no one sin's worse than the other. Oh yeah, some sins are worse than other sins. Don't say stupid things like that. David committed a top level, really bad sin. 
He, had, he committed adultery and got a man's wife pregnant, then sent the man out to the front lines of the battle and had the rest of the army retreat. So that guy was left standing alone face to face against an entire army and the man got killed. So David was a, committed adultery, which was bad enough. Then on top of that, he had the man killed. And on, and on top of that, he had the man deliver his own death letter. I mean, that's twisted. That is like Hollywood movie stuff. That is messed up. He committed a horrific sin. And this woman, Bathsheba, gets pregnant. And so David, if you know the story, the prophet arrives and he says, David, I had a little story I'd like to share with you. Just get your thoughts on it. You know, you being the king and all. So there was a, a, a man that had tons of sheep. He, he was rich. He had all the sheep that he could ever want. And he was rich. He was powerful. He had everything. And then there was this one other guy. He only had one little sheep. But he loved that sheep with all his heart. That sheep was his entire world. Well, the rich guy that had a thousand sheep to choose from comes and steals that man's sheep and has him killed. What should happen to that man? And David's like, kill him right now, track him down and kill that man. And the prophet says, thou art the man. It was you. And David, can you imagine? What, I mean, what do you say to that? He's like, oh my gosh. David was broken. And David writes Psalm 51. And out of all that, I, that was unplanned. I guess the point I was trying to make out of that entire story is this. David in Psalm 51 says, Against you and you alone have I sinned. Now I'm thinking, well, you sinned against Bathsheba. You sinned against her husband, Uriah the Hittite. You sinned against the entire... You did a lot of sin in there, David. But And it's true. He sinned against all of his people. But out of all of that horrific mess, and that's a horrific mess, on top of all that, he says... But the worst thing is I sinned against you. And so when you harm another Christian, when you don't walk in love, when you sin against anybody, that's an issue all in and of itself. But on top of it, you're really sinning against God too. That's a smack to God. And uh, and, and it needs dealt with. It, it's a real thing. And so anyway, we're going to dig into the word here tonight. And um, I may be a little more feisty and aggressive because I got upset 10 minutes ago. So let's just get at this. And if I step on your toes, you know, uh, watch out. So um, let's let's take a few a look at a few things here and uh, praise God. Um, but but really, as we're looking at this, uh, the point that I'm trying to make, first of all, is you've been forgiven. So you must forgive others. Now, how can I possibly not love and forgive other people the same way that Jesus does me? You know, something powerful that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Who in here likes to receive mercy when you just screwed up? <laughs> yeah. I, I like mercy and I need mercy because I screw up sometimes. I mess it up and the only thing that I can cling to is God's grace and mercy. And Jesus said, hey, blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. And so a question that I like to ask myself is, what if the amount of mercy Jesus starts showing me is based upon the amount of mercy that I show to others? What if the amount of mercy that Jesus shows to me is based upon the amount of mercy that I show to others? 
What if I hold everybody, you know, I don't show mercy to anybody. I mean, I want them to pay the full price for any wrong that they have done to me. And then when I screw up, I'm like, Jesus, I'm just, I'm, 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 I thank you for your mercy, Lord. You were so good. I think just rain it down on me right now. You know, I didn't mean it. That's, that's a twisted way to live your Christian life. Don't believe and, and, and just expect just God's abundant grace and mercy to flow out all over your life if you show no mercy to others. That's something big to think about. And so, um, I've got a few quotes I'll put on the screen there, but I guess one of them is this, and I, I'm gonna really quickly make this point, but there is a difference between forgiveness and trust, right? And I always say this because I gotta put it out there. There is a difference between forgiveness and trust. If you hurt me every time I come around you, I'm not going to hate you. I, I refuse to hate anybody. I won't hate you. I promise you that. And I'm not going to seek revenge upon you either. Because revenge is not something we practice in this planet. That's a direct quote from Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 1. Amen? Uh, but, but revenge is not... You know, I'm not going to hate you if you're bad to me. And I'm not going to seek revenge upon you. Because revenge belongs to the Lord. Romans chapter 12. But I'm not going to probably trust you until I see a change in you. And so, as, as the, the way that I want to live my Christian life is, you never have to earn my forgiveness. You may need to earn my trust, though. <laughs> you smack me every time, I'm probably going to have some trust issues and not want to be around you. That doesn't mean I hate you, but I'm going to protect myself from, from harm, right? And so, to, to say that you have to earn my trust again, that's not saying that you can never earn it again. You know, I'm just the type of person that you can, you can earn my trust back again, um, but it might take a little while of you not smacking me anymore. And so that's just something to, uh, to consider. Um, but I know this much that I want Jesus to forgive me and trust me again, even if I've been repeatedly stupid. But I do know that there is a season of proving myself. All right. The next quote that I want to give is this, is that oh, this is a good one. This, I mean, this is a good quote. This is a good one. Most people that I know hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves. That is a good one, Lawrence. Thank you. Listen, most people that I know, even in church here, hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves. I literally know people that will be mean to everybody else. Mean, rude, foul, and nasty. And the second... Somebody just kind of halfway looks cockeyed at them. They're like, ooh, no, I demand my respect. I was, I, I was trying to get a sound effect and it didn't do it down there. Okay, there it is. All right, so, you know, the sound men are cringing, but you know, so, giving it all we've got tonight. But I, seriously, I know people that they treat everyone else like trash and the second that someone just halfway does something wrong, Mm-mm, nobody talks to me that way and gets away with it. I demand my respect. And all I think is, oh my gosh, you are a fool. You're a fool. Why would you act like that? No, because you reap what you sow. If you're going to go around being mean to everybody else and hold them to this standard, I demand to be treated like royalty. But the standard for you is that you can treat everybody else like trash. I don't want to be there for that conversation with Jesus because you will stand before the Lord someday and give an account for your life. And he's going to wonder why you had some magical twisted standard that everybody else had to live by, but you were allowed to live down here. Something to think about. 
Amen? All right. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to say is, we tend to judge others based upon their actions, but ourselves upon our intentions. We tend to judge others based upon their actions, but ourselves upon our intentions. And so, if somebody else treats us wrong, we're like, oh man, I can't believe they did that. Blah, 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 blah. And then we maybe do the exact same thing. But then we're like, yeah, but I I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> that wasn't my intention. Seriously. How twisted is that? People need to cut me some slack. I'm just going through something right now. I'm having a hard time. One of the most mature things you will ever learn in life, as a, I w- I'm going to say as a Christian, but simply being a mature adult is to try to see things from the other person's point of view or put yourself in their shoes. That's going to help you in life. That realize that, man, if someone is just (laughs) not themselves right now, they're probably going through something that you don't know about. And and that, you know, that's something that you've got to learn. Is that we... Judge other people so often based upon their actions, but ourselves by our intentions. And we have to be able to look at people with love, compassion, and mercy. And listen, if I, if I know someone that's been a jerk for 15, 20 years straight, okay, they're screwed up and that's just who they are. They need to get a hold of Jesus and fix that. All right, and I'm not going to take you seriously. If you've consistently been a jerk and mean for years, just know that I'm not going to take you seriously. If you bring something to me as pastor, like, man, blah, 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 I'm not going to take you seriously because I know you're immature and you're a jerk. All right, I told you that I was going to be very blunt tonight, uh, but that's just the truth of the matter. I don't take people... If I know somebody that has drama and strife everywhere they go, everywhere, at home... At work, at church, if you've got drama with the people on this side of the sanctuary, drama with the people in the middle, drama with the people... Well, there's no one over there, but if there's people over there, you have drama with them. Listen. If that's you, listen. I'm just being transparent here. You come up and tell me that someone, you got beef with someone, I'm not going to take you very seriously because you have a horrendous track record of drama and fighting everywhere you go, and I know instantly that you are the problem and it's not the other person. Now you come up to me and you're someone that generally gets along with everybody and you just don't have a track record of this and there's an issue, I will drop everything in the world to be right there and get this fixed and work through it. I'll take it very seriously. Parents, how many times, man, you've got a kid or whatever, and they consistently just all the time, you know, blow things out of proportion, whatever the case. You know what I mean. Like, after a while, okay, when they've, when they've, oh, you know, for the three millionth time, after a while, you know, like, oh, okay, you know, go watch Paw Patrol. I got, I'm doing something, right? Okay. But, you know, if, if there's a kid that's not, you know, prone to feigning injury or faking things, and they tell me they got hurt, I, I've got four kids, I won't, you know, I don't name names here, but some of them are more prone to feigning injury, then I've got a specifically one that could have his arm cut off and, and like, not even tell me about it, you know? And, and so, if he comes and tells me that he's hurt, I'm like, okay, honey, 
the boy, we got to take care of this right now. If he tells me something's wrong, I'm going to take it really serious because he just doesn't do it all the time, right? And so that's something for us to think about as uh, as Christians, amen? Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, amen. I thank you for being here with us tonight. Praise God. Lord bless you, amen. May his face shine upon thee. May he be gracious to thee, amen. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And we're talking about basic Christianity. This is fundamental elements. If you're going to grow in the Lord, you have to get along with people. You can't gossip. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 1 through 5. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got a series coming up soon called Growing Up Spiritually or Mature. I don't know, it's going to be along those lines, but uh, some people need to, to grow up, all right? And I'm going to deal with that. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So, hey, if you want to hold everybody else to this standard and and they get to be judged right here, praise God, you've got that right, but you're going to be judged at that same level also. Woo! Exciting stuff, huh? And so, the same standard uh, by which you judge others, you'll be judged, verse 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own How can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! Woo-hoo-hoo! Jesus is name-calling now. This ain't good. Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. There are way... Too many people who are way more concerned about everybody else's issues than their own. And I just know for me that personally, I've got too much to fix in me to be worried about what your issues are. You know, you bring it to me that I'm going to help you. But I'll have some people sometimes tell me, hey, did you hear about this? You want to hear about it? And I'll say, no, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, but you want, you should want to know. You're the, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to know. If I need to know, then Fine, I'll know. But I don't care to know what everybody's little dramas and issues are in the entire church, in the entire city, or in my entire friends list on the internet. I don't really want to know unless I need to know. And there's some people that just, they want to know everything. And like, ooh, let me hear the latest. Ooh, did you, like, that's, I don't, I don't care for that, man. I despise gossip. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, there's seven sins that the Lord hates. Now, Solomon starts out saying, there are six things the Lord detests. No, seven that he hates. And one of them is gossip. I mean, there's a lot of sins in this world. But when the Bible says there's specifically seven that he hates... And one of them is gossip, and, and really it, it says that somebody that sows discord among the brethren, somebody that plants strife in a family, really is the most specific translation of that. God 
doesn't just not like that. That doesn't just rub God the wrong way. According to the Bible, God hates that. And I'm like, you know, if there's somebody you love, all right, and they're like, hey, I really don't like it when you do that. If I love them, you know, if my wife says, I don't like it when you do that, I'm not going to do it. If she says, I hate it when you do that, I'm really not going to do that. Not because I'm afraid of her, but honestly because I love her. I don't want to hurt somebody that I love. And if God says, I hate hate it when this happens, I'm not going to do that. Not because I'm afraid that God's going to pound me down and punish me, but because I love Him so much that I don't want to hurt Him and do things that He doesn't like. All right, let's go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. I do believe this is the most choppy sermon that I have ever preached. This is not the smoothest flow that I have ever had, but that's okay. I really got irked earlier, so I'm working it out on you guys. (laughs) Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. This is a, I'm gonna probably read these verses pretty quick because it's a, I, I gotta read all of them because it's, it's part of the story. But anyway, Matthew 18 verse 21. <clears throat> then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And I'm thinking that Peter right there is, is thinking that the Lord's gonna be proud of him. Like, yeah, Peter, man, you, you, my friend, are mature. You have arrived. But the Lord didn't pat him on the back. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Man, that's awful to be millions of dollars in debt to somebody. What a terrible spot to be in. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children... And everything he owed, owned to pay the debt. Wouldn't that be a bad spot to be in? You can't pay it, so they imprison you and then they hawk your wife and children as collateral. I mean, what a bad spot to be in. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Can you imagine that? Being in that spot where you owed a debt that there's no way in this lifetime you could possibly pay. You've lost your wife, your kids, your house, your dog, everything. And then you come in and plead for mercy. And the person to whom you owed it all says, you know what? Forget it. You don't owe me one penny. That's incredible. And guess what? That's exactly what the Lord did for you because you owed him a debt that you could never pay him back. He paid your debt for you, right? Because, hey, you were supposed to pay the price for your sin. But Jesus came and paid it all for you. That's a really, really big deal. Verse 28. But when that man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me. I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor would not wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. 
What a stinking hypocrite. What a lousy, backstabbing, terrible person that this is. Look at verse 31. Here it goes. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very, very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And we're like, man, that just sounds terrible. It doesn't end there. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You don't get to just be mean and terrible to everybody else in the world and never pay the price for it. That's, I mean, that's just the flat out truth right there. And I mean, we, we obviously major on the love and forgiveness and the grace of God. Thank God for His incredible grace and mercy and forgiveness. But according to Jesus Himself right there, if you've been forgiven, especially of a bunch, and yet you hold somebody else's little things over their head, you'd answer to God for it. And I mean, I'm not going to add to what Jesus said there, but apparently that's not a very good spot to be in. A couple of really cute words in verse 34 just stand out to me. They're the words prison and torture. (laughs) Yeah, you know, those are encouraging words. Um, But, but, but those two specific words, I read that verse, I've never been to prison. I don't care to go. I mean, I visited people and prayed for them, uh, specifically in the juvenile center. But anyway, I, I visited and prayed for people. And never at any point in time have I gone to the prison and been like, that seems like a place I'd like to spend some time in. Yeah, I think I, I can see myself in there. Yeah, you know. And this other word, torture. Well, depending on how you use that word, you know, I feel like I've been tortured sometimes, you know, through different things. Um, but at the same time, I've probably never really experienced the torture that this is referring to. But if I hold other people's trespasses and sins and shortcomings over their head after I've been forgiven of a bunch, I get torture and I get prison. Well, the devil's doing this to me. No, 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 no. It's not the devil that's actually doing that to you. It's actually, well, look at verse 35. Look at verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, I'm not saying that God's an angry old man ready to pounce on you, but he really doesn't like it when you hold other people's stuff against them after you've been forgiven. And so as much as the devil would love to receive the credit for this torture and imprisonment, he would love it. He would love that praise and that, you know, that uh, the shout out for that. But really what's doing is you've brought that upon yourself. Amen. 
What a message tonight, man. This is just, I love this. This is good stuff. Um, one of my Bible college teachers, she's a great lady. I just saw she did a, a devotion on the Bible app that they released. It's really good. But anyway, she used to say, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I'll show you. You're the one that, you, you die for that. You're the one that's tortured for that, not the other person. All right, let's move on to point number two, because I'm running out of time here tonight. Amen. Uh, number two, unforgiveness creates a prison. Unforgiveness creates a prison. And we clearly just saw that in Matthew 18, verse 35. But I want to look at Proverbs 18 and verse 19. Amen. Now, if you want to grow in the Lord, because people ask me, you know, I want to grow in the Lord. I want to be mature. I want to become a disciple. I'm telling you, the number one thing to focus on is your love and forgiveness. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus without love and forgiveness. John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples indeed, if you have love for one another. So I don't care if you can quote entire books of the Bible, and you can even lay hands on the sick, and you can cast out devils, and you can all this stuff. That's cool, all right? That's great. But you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ until you start loving people as he loved you, specifically is what he said. And so, amen. I'm trying to capture the whole Valentine's Day spirit right now. Amen. Do you feel the love tonight? I feel the glares. I don't feel the love. I feel the Proverbs 18, verse 19. And so this is, again, something that is Bible truth for us. Proverbs 18, verse 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Now, in Bible times, a city would build up walls, right? This is, you know, this isn't rocket science, but a city would build walls for protection and to keep certain people out. They to keep people out, and it was a sign that they didn't trust anybody. And really, I don't want to get too deep here because I'm almost out of time. But you look at the book of Joshua as they get in to the promise and they get into Canaan. And one thing, you know, you see right off the bat is they got to take down Jericho. And one of the good things about the whole Canaan land is all these cities were walled cities. Why do they all have walls in the same little section of country? They were all part of the same land, but each city had their own walls. Why is that? They couldn't get along with each other. And so... Israel knew going in to Canaan, dude, if we attack Jericho, none of these other towns are going to come help them. They hate each other. They can't get along. They have no allies. And so you read the book of Joshua there, man, starting in chapter 6 and moving forward. They just take down city after city after city, and they start conquering the entire land of Canaan. And they knew, oh, this is great. Walls mean that you don't trust anybody and you've got no friends. 
<laughs> That's what it means. And so Israel, I mean, read it, man. Read it for yourself. Start in Joshua 6 and start reading forward. Israel, this little army, that I mean, they just go through and start storming and dominating, taking them down city after city with these great big walls because the walls were meant for self-preservation and protection. Now, in our lives, sometimes when we've been hurt, we build a wall around us because we don't want anybody getting in anymore. And I get that, and I have done that. But here's the thing. That wall that at one point you built for protection eventually becomes your own prison. You imprison yourself because you, you've just built this wall and you keep, and it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And that's not the way that God intended for us to live our lives. Listen, we've got to come to a place of love and forgiveness. Yeah, well, I don't want to. Well, neither do I. But guess what? Jesus didn't ask, hey, do you want to do this? I mean, before I put this in the Bible, what's your opinion on it? He uh, he has never asked my opinion about anything because I think he doesn't care about my opinion because I think that my opinion sometimes doesn't align with his holy word. And so what's it going to be? It's going to have to be his way. And so I'm encouraging us tonight that as we examine this topic of love and forgiveness, this is something that can set us Free if we will begin to walk in the light of it. Now, one thing I, I also notice in life is people that are in prison or wounded, uh, they begin to find other people with the same outlook on life, other people that are imprisoned to the same thing, and they feed off of each other's hurts. That's not healthy. When I'm sick, I don't need to go find as many other sick people as I can and all team up together. I need to find a doctor. Okay? Clearly they've got issues just like I have, right? And I've just noticed, you know, my humble Dr. Phil observation here is, uh, you know, that just a bunch of people with the same nasty attitude teaming up together rarely fix it. They just feed off of each other's issues and make it worse. When I had leukemia, my parents didn't take me to like, where can we find a place with a bunch of people that have the exact same? No, they took me to the children's hospital and I got treatment by the best doctors in North America. Thank God for that. Then, of course, King Jesus, the great physician, really, you know, that's who I give the credit to. But at the same time, I know this much that if I'm a prisoner, the other inmates can't really do much for me. Again, I've never been to prison. I'm just speculation here. But, you know, some of you have, so maybe you can tell me. But um, if, if, if I'm in prison, really the other prisoners can't lead me to freedom. I don't want to talk to them. I, I, I want to talk to somebody on the outside. I want to talk to a free person. Because that free person can do things for me that others captives can't do for me. Now, maybe they, you know, maybe the other captives and prisoners, I don't know, could encourage me, maybe, I don't know, barter with me for things, I don't know. But, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that's got the keys to the prison that can get me out of it. And so, 
if we've got hurts, if we've got offenses, if somebody had the audacity to trespass against me, well, you can cling to your right to be mad, or you can cling to God's word and get freedom. But you can't do both. It's one or the other. And so, I heard a quote from Joyce Meyer, who has been through a lot in life. Now she's an incredible, wonderful woman of God, but, I mean, she had been through a lot of horrific abuse and things of that nature since childhood on up into her adult life. But she said this. She said, many people think that forgiveness only benefits the other person, the person who hurts you, when actually the main beneficiary is you. You see, as you release your bitterness and anger, you are now able to live with real peace and joy. So when I forgive you, it's not just giving you a free pass, you know, that's between you and God now, but I'm releasing it. Hey, I release it, man. And as I release that, I get to really experience the peace and joy of God the Father in my life. And so, as we celebrate love and forgiveness from the Lord, I, man, I know, I, I guess I've done this a while now, honestly, starting with youth, I just saw in my, I've got every sermon I've ever preached saved on my, on my iCloud, so I've got about 900 sermons that I've written since 2007, and I, somehow I saw the very first one that my opening night of youth ministry, June of 2007, uh, my very first sermon uh, in ministry here, and so 900 and some sermons later, it's, um, well, it's probably more than that, but anyway, you know, I understand that as I preach to any crowd, any, any, any room, you know, uh, especially on a topic like this, some of you are dealing with minor, silly, petty offenses that honestly you need to grow up and get over, and some of you are dealing with bona fide, deep wounds that are deep and do have roots. But the answer and the medicine is the same for all of us. Obeying God's word. Amen. Same pill. Gospel. It's the gospel. Amen. The same pill for all of us is to obey God's word and to do what it says. And if we forgive and we uh, release the charges, praise God, we'll be forgiven and released of the charges against us. If we want to cling to those, then hey, then they're going to be charges held against us because we aren't going to be forgiven from the Father. I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. Uh, If we won't forgive others. And so my message tonight isn't a message of condemnation. It came out harsh because I got angry about the sound issues. But at the same time, this is a message of encouragement for us. And uh, and just something for us to grow from. And again, uh, this is something that we all need to hear on a very, very regular basis as we grow in the Lord. Amen. All right. We got to stop there tonight. Let's go ahead and stand up together. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Well, I'm going to have Pastor Josh come on up this evening and we're going to take a few minutes here to uh, worship the Lord and close things out in prayer. Uh, can I have my prayer team come on up tonight? Amen.
And if the Lord spoke to you tonight and there's something that, uh, you know, you need to talk to him about, this is your chance to do that. This is your chance to, to speak to the Lord and, and do business with him. But if you need prayer for anything, we want to be here for you. We'd love to stand in agreement with you. Uh, so we encourage you to come on up for prayer if you need it. If not, just take a minute to worship the Lord.
right. Praise the Lord, everybody. We're going to go ahead and close out in prayer tonight. I want to remind you, uh, married folks, that the uh, marriage event is Friday night, 6.30, over there in Victory Hall. We've got the child care covered for you. Uh, just come on out. Let's have a good time together. Register online, hdwc.org slash married. And uh, I encourage you to stay connected to all the upcoming stuff because we've got some busy stuff going on. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Yes, for reminding me of that. Tomorrow night, this is something that's important to a lot of us, is the city is doing um, the uh, the Main Street. They're, they're having a meeting. I forget what's it called. The... Re- Reimagine Route 66, and so the city is looking at uh, giving the Main Street downtown a complete renovation and makeover. Who thinks that would be super cool for Barstow? Yeah, and so. The good news is, is that they're inviting all of our opinions, and there's even an online um, survey you can take. It's on our Facebook page. It's also on the city's page. But the meeting is tomorrow night, six, um, at the city council chambers. So a whole lot of us are going to be there to just uh, give our opinion and input. And I think that the Christians should do this because they're asking, what type of businesses do you want to see? Well, I'm saying that I want to see things like coffee shops, nice little things, and other people may want to see other less godly things than that. So I think that this is our chance to say good things, all right? So Christians, rise to the challenge, and uh, and if nothing else, fill out the online form, but that's a good thing for our local community, amen? Let's pray, and then we are going to go ahead and uh, close out with our Barstow Faith Confession tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God. And Lord, your word is true. And none of your word is there to condemn us or to make things harder on us. It's to set us free. You said in John 8, 32, that if we would know the truth, the truth would set us free. And you said uh, that your word is truth, Father, in John 17. So I thank you, Lord, that as we receive your word tonight, that it is setting us free. We will be doers, not just hearers only. And I thank you, Lord, that we are growing and maturing in you, Father. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? All right. Let's do our Barstow Faith Confession. Come on, James. Get up here. All right. All right. All right. All right. This is my little junior that, hey, he's he's my man on this. You got this? Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you Sunday. Yeah. See you Sunday and Friday if you're married.